Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. were worried about the Stanford Cardinal defense coming into the season. <laughs> Don't call it a comeback. Lance Anderson and his crew have been here for years. And they helped lead the way for Stanford against USC on Saturday evening. That was kind of fun to watch, wasn't it? And we're going to break it all down for you as Stanford beats USC. They run their record to 2-0. and oh, And that's what's on tap. On the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. And I'm Troy Clarity. Hey, I host this show. Thanks for coming along with us. Uh, So glad that you have decided to uh, spend part of your day uh, in taking a little Stanford football. Thank you for being a part uh, of this show. And we are going to be talking about Stanford's 17-3 win over USC. Uh, Cardinal holding USC to the fewest points in this series for them. In 77 years, how about that? Since 1941, when uh, USC got shut out uh, by uh, Stanford. That's the furthest you have to go back uh, to find a a similar offensive performance for USC against Stanford from a scoring standpoint. So a historical performance, and we'll talk about it here on the TreeCast, and we'll get a little help from a couple of young men who helped make that performance possible. Stanford inside, I checked that outside linebacker. He was inside last year. Now he's back in his natural habitat, so to speak, playing outside linebacker. Joey Alfieri, boy, what a monster game he had. You could say that about a lot of young men who play for Lance Anderson and his tree fence. And Malik Antoine had two interceptions, one of them particularly crucial. Uh, Malik Antoine uh, will also drop by and get some of his thoughts uh, on Stanford's win later on in the tree cast as well, because this, uh, this show right now, it's, it's all about the defense and rightfully so Joey Alfieri and Malik Antoine. You'll hear their thoughts coming up in just a few minutes, by the way, I'm Troy Clarity. If you're new to the show, thank you for joining us. If you don't know who I am, that's cool. Let's introduce ourselves. Shall we? been following the Stanford football squad for 26 seasons now. It's been a lot of fun, uh, both on the radio, a little bit on the TV side, as well as a longtime columnist to any single medium you can think of. I've covered Stanford football uh, via that certain medium. Right now, also a Pac-12 network play-by-play announcer. Good to see the crew in the house on Saturday night. Hang out with uh, Ashley Adamson uh, after the game for a little bit. Good to catch up with her. And, of course, uh, if you uh, listened to the show last week, uh, you heard uh, Yoki Roth uh, break down the show. So uh, really, uh, really a lot of fun being part of the Pac-12 Network's crew. Uh, looking forward to uh, having a couple soccer doubleheaders coming up later on this week. You can introduce yourself, by the way. Hit me up on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. Last name is C-L-A-R-D-Y, at Troy Clarity. Or hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast. But I found it interesting coming into the game on Saturday evening. And there, there kind of seemed to be a, a bit of an unsettled air for, for both teams, really, coming into that game 
on, on Saturday night. And Todd Huzak and I were talking about this, the uh, Stanford radio color commentator and I, and of course the former uh, Stanford quarterback as well. He and I were talking about this a little bit as well because, you know, whenever whenever Stanford and USC have, have squared off against each other, certainly over the last 10 plus years or so, either one or both teams come, are coming in with a lot of confidence, feeling very good about what they can accomplish against the opponent that day. Todd didn't quite get that sense on Saturday evening. And I, I kind of had that, that, that kind of unsettled sense myself. And it really developed the more I thought about the game. People were asking me, hey, what do you think? And the, and the, the closer it got to kickoff, the less I knew about which way it was going to go. If you listen to the TreeCast uh, late last week, you heard my thoughts that I thought that the number one thing that Stanford was going to need to do more than anything else was tackle. That was my number one priority because that was the one thing that Stanford failed to do against USC in both those meetings against the Trojans in the 2017 season. But a lot of things just seemed a bit unsettled. I mean, yeah, Stanford... Uh, beating San Diego State, but still a lot of questions surrounding that win. Similar situation for USC. They got to a slow start against UNLV in week one, but they put it together and and, and got the win, but still a lot of questions surrounding the USC Trojans as well. So both teams feeling a bit unsure, it seemed, about, about themselves and about trying to figure out what this would prove coming in and going forward and setting the tone for the next few weeks, uh, heading into the true meat of the season. So what happens? Stanford opens with its best drive of the year. By far, it's not even close. Stanford taking the opening kickoff and driving 84 yards downfield on just eight plays. Bryce Love breaking free, picking up 28 yards almost matching his entire rushing output against San Diego State the week before on just one run. And then Love punching it in from six yards out and giving Stanford a 7 nothing lead after just four and a half minutes of ball. Those proved to be the game-winning points, by the way. Because Stanford defense took over from there. And it wasn't like Stanford bludgeoned USC or ground him into dust and beat him into a pulp. We've seen that happen. Remember 2012? Who was it that hit Chase Thomas? Was it Chase Thomas? Who was it that hit Matt Barkley so hard and just destroyed him in that game that, that quite honestly, Barkley was never the same, not just for that game, but for the rest of that 2012 season. I think it was Chase Thomas, if I remember correctly. I, I could be wrong on that. Correct me if you want to on Twitter. But it wasn't, it wasn't that kind of bludgeoning for the Stanford defense against USC on Saturday night. It wasn't a suffocating performance. You know, it wasn't anything like the like you'd see the, the, the 1985 Bears do or the 1976 Steelers do out there. Because USC moved the ball. They moved the ball pretty well. Trojans only went three and out twice. And the first time didn't come until very late In the third quarter, five of USC's first six drives ended in Stanford territory. So the Trojans had no problems moving the ball, but they never got the play that they truly needed. 
They never got through. They never got into the end zone. But they certainly never got the true play that they needed when they needed to to stay on the field and to keep the ball and to get six points. That play never came for USC. This was the most Lance Anderson game ever. (laughs) Didn't it just seem like it? This was just, if, if there was any game that defines what Lance Anderson as the Stanford defensive coordinator and, and the units that he has put out on this field are all about, it's this. Look, they might look a little wobbly for a moment or two. They, they might have you searching for something strong to hold on to at points. But when they need to, they adjust and they put it all together. And they did it with a true team effort. Stanford defense was, was magnificent out there when they, need to be, when they needed to be at their very best. And the two biggest plays of the game, to me, came one in the first quarter when on third down on USC's second offensive possession, JT Daniels, USC's young quarterback, who quite honestly looked like a freshman for the most part. Didn't get a lot of help, but he looked like a freshman for the most part against Stanford on Saturday night. But on third and 15 from his own 45, Daniels threw an incomplete pass, but was blasted in the process by Joey Alfieri. Just destroyed. Just ripped apart by Alfieri. That hit ended up knocking out Alfieri for a couple of series. JT Daniels came back later on, but, but Matt Fink had to had to captain the show for USC for a few minutes. But that hit, knocking Daniels out of the game momentarily, stymied USC offensively from the quarterback position. They had to go to student body left, student body right, and it was effective, but at some point, they they needed that thing to make a big throw, and they didn't trust him to do it. So that was big play number one. In Stanford's favor. Big play number two came late in the, in the second quarter. USC facing fourth and two from the Stanford 40-yard line. They go for it. But JT Daniels gets sacked by Joey Alfieri. Ball pops loose, recovered by Bobby Okariki, and then Stanford scores a touchdown a few moments later to take a 14-0 lead into the break. But those two plays were the biggest plays of the game to me. The hit on, uh, on, uh, on JT Daniels by Joey Alfieri, and then the sack and the, the strip sack by Alfieri on Daniels in the second quarter. After the game, I caught up with Joey Alfieri, along with other members of the media as well. And the first thing I asked Joey was, was, was his perspective on those two big plays that, that really turned the game around in favor of Stanford. Right, so that first one, I think it was the, maybe a third and, third and medium, maybe third and five or something like that. We call it a little stunt, a uh, little zone pressure, uh, which has a pretty good success rate. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I was man in the back. Our linebacker, Bobby Okereke, blitz, took up the back, so I was freed up. He, he did the dirty work for me, so I was freed up to the quarterback, had no blockers, and just got a clean hit on him. On the fourth and short, same thing, we call up a zone pressure. I just slipped around. I came free, luckily. Every other guy ate up a blocker. I think it was a five-man hit. Um, 
in, the, in those cases, our coaches just say don't miss the layup, so I just try not to, not to miss the layup, bringing him down. What does it say to beat these guys, to beat USC, led by a defensive effort like the one that you had here tonight? What does it say to, you know, to, 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 to handle these guys like you did tonight? Yeah, I think this is a lot. You know, a lot, there were a lot more question marks, I think, on the defensive side than the offensive side coming into this season um, with all of our offensive weapons, offensive guys coming back. So I think it, it shows that you know, we're a more balanced team than people think. You know, we're just an offensive powerhouse. We've got some defensive tradition that's been built here for the last you know, 10 or so years that we're trying to uphold. Uh, for sure. Who were some of the guys that stood out to you among the rest of the Stanford defense? I think uh, the whole linebacking core, for sure. Uh, I think Bobby and Sean both had 10 tackles apiece, just playing physical every play. Uh, Casey Tewell had a good job, did a good job on the edge. Um, Jordan Fox and Gabriel are two young, young outside linebackers that I think had, had flashes of good plays, uh, for sure. And then in the secondary, Malik, two picks. Uh, definitely always impressive. Uh, just communicating across the board as defense is really impressive. How much fun is it when you're playing like you are out there from a defensive standpoint? How much fun are you guys having out there? It's fun, you know, walking around there just with a little swagger, you know, just confidence walking out there that we're going to go out there, punch them in the mouth, line back up, punch them again, and just try and outwill our opponents every play. Can you talk about being back in your natural habitat, um, outside <laughs> linebacker? Yeah. Just- how that's been going for you? It feels good, you know. I mean, I enjoyed playing inside linebacker. It was a great experience. Um, but, I mean, it just feels good being able to play on the edge, not having to think so much, letting the inside backers make the calls, and I'll just play, run fast, and hit someone. So it definitely feels good. There's a lot of young guys up front playing in front of the linebackers this season. Through two games, how do they grade out? What has impressed you about their play? Right. I mean, I, I didn't I'll have to watch the film for this game, obviously, but I think for the most part, you definitely made a, a big jump. You make the biggest jump in college football from week one to week two, especially game one to game two for these young guys that are getting their first their first real game live reps. Uh, definitely got a ways to go across the board, you know, as a defense. So, uh, you know, we got the win. We held them to three points. But the biggest thing, the biggest mistake you can make in these wins is uh, getting complacent and just being like, all right, we won, move on. We got to look at every single play, be critical of ourselves uh, on each play and find something better at what are the biggest things that were different tonight compared to the two games against them last year? Besides not having Sam Donald back there, I think uh, we just have more of a sense of, you know, what we need to do to stop them. You know, we've gone against them so many times. This, I, I said before, this is my seventh time playing against them in my career. Uh, now I'm 4-3 and three against them, which is a good feeling to have a winning record against those guys. But just making sure, you know, preparing throughout the week and, uh, and flying around and playing fast on game days. That's Joey Alfieri. And look, really quickly, uh, fourth and two that that, that USC went for at the Stanford uh, 30-yard line, checked out the 40-yard line, late in the first first half. Uh, Some people were, were really questioning whether that was the right move to make whether Stanford or whether USC should have just punted the ball or, or what they should have done there. But, you know, I really had no problems with USC going for it on fourth and two from the Stanford 40. I didn't. No problem with the theory. The execution of it. Calling a pass when USC's passing attack was clearly in retreat when Daniels was not having his most accurate day, and that was even before he got knocked out momentarily by Alfieri. Meanwhile, USC was having some success running the ball. I'm not an offensive coordinator, but I I play one uh, in in podcast land 
I was Clay Helton and, and T. Martin, the USC offensive coordinator, I would have kept it on the ground. I would have kept it on the ground. But, hey, that's USC's problem. <laughs> I mean, I'm not uh, – trust me, I, I am not unhappy with how things ended with that play with Alfieri getting the strip sack. Alfieri, magnificent. And, 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 and I, he, he certainly made, made sure to give a shout-out to, to the rest of the folks on the Stanford defense because, make no mistake, this was a team defensive effort for Stanford against USC. Look at the stat sheet. Four different Stanford players credited with sacks. Four. Seven different guys had tackles for loss. Seven. Eight different guys broke up passes. That's team defense right there. It's not just a, it's not just a one-man show. As dramatic and as entertaining as those can be to watch, when it's it, as, as much fun as it is when, when you watch Solomon Thomas or Harrison Phillips just be simply unblockable and just take over entire games by themselves, that's fun to watch. But it's also nice to watch an entire defense get after it from front to back. Dylan Jackson making big plays, helping to stuff USC's rushing attack when they needed to the most. Bob Yokoriki and Sean Barton all over the place, 10 tackles apiece. Paulson Adipo. Good to see Elijah Holder back, too. This was a complete and total team defensive effort. And one guy had two interceptions. His name? Malik Antoine. His first interception coming with USC's deepest penetration of the game, but a ball badly underthrown and into traffic, uh, trying the corner route uh, towards uh, the front left corner of the end zone, and Malik Antoine was there. He picked off that pass with a couple minutes to go and then uh, snared another one in the waning seconds of the game to erase all doubt on route to Stanford's 17-3 win over USC. Malik Antoine was injured last week, didn't play against San Diego State. And the first part of this conversation is, is his thoughts on making his return to the field and making his return to making plays for this Stanford defense. Uh, it feels great. You know, all credit goes to the training staff here. You know, they, they really helped me out a lot through this process. But um, it, feel, it feels good. You know, it feels good to play with, to play with your, your teammates, your close brothers. And, and that's, all, that's all it's about, man. It's been out there with my brothers. Two interceptions tonight. Take me through the first one that really seemed to seal the game in Stanford's favor in the fourth quarter. Um, well, well, I think, I think um, they, they've been running that route a lot, a lot this year. I mean, not a lot, but last game they ran it a lot. But um, we, we were able to get a lot of pressure on them today, and so I was expecting a deep ball to happen. You know, but all credit goes to my D-line and my front seven for, for help, helping me out in that way. You know, so I was kind of anticipating a deep ball because our front seven has been doing well. And I just turned around, made a play on the ball. You know, my coach Keenan goes to the DB drills all the time about high-pointing and things, and I just try to capitalize on that. This really seemed like a total team defensive effort with the front seven you guys mentioned. From a secondary perspective, what were some things that were going out there uh, that went right for you guys tonight? I think, I think uh, again, all credit goes to the coaches staff. They, they put us in a lot of good positions um, to mix up our coverages. And when we, we play well in that aspect, I think, you know, like every every game you have a few mistakes. But I think on the, on the back end, we executed. We, um, we played good man-to-man coverage and played good zone coverage. And that, at the end of the day, just helped us out a lot in the, in the game. What do you know now about this team that you didn't maybe perhaps know uh, at the start of the season? Um, every week, I, we just see each other. We get closer and closer. You know, um, this team we're really, really strong together. We we build a bond over the summer, but every game you can see that like, we're getting closer and closer as a family, as a brotherhood. What's the number one thing that you want to see the squad work on in the weeks ahead? 
just continue to finish, finish, finishing strong. You know, that's a big part. We pride ourselves about on finishing strong, just working hard and just finishing plays, finishing games. So I think we, like, like, all, like all teams, we need to work on finishing. The junior from Baton Rouge, Malik Antoine, our thanks to him uh, for joining us on uh, the TreeCast as uh, he broke down his two, uh, his, or at least his, his interception to, uh, to thwart USC's uh, last gasp. And then another interception later on uh, to truly end things. And uh, good to see him and the secondary appears to the, appears to be coming together. Appears to be coming together, especially it doesn't hurt that uh, Elijah Holder back in the fold. USC didn't really seem interested in testing him too much, did they? I, I don't blame them. But good to chat with Malik Antoine here on the TreeCast. We've talked about the Stanford defense really almost exclusively uh, on this show. And... Probably rightfully so, because those young men deserve it. Uh, those young men have earned earned that opportunity, as uh, those guys uh, really played played very, very well on a national stage. Haven't talked much about the offense to this point. Let's let's change that right now. Stanford offensively put up some numbers that aren't necessarily going to wow you, but 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 do kind of still seem to be in line with what you expect with Stanford offensively based on some performances they've had certainly over the past year plus. K.J. Costello, 16-27 for 183 yards, a touchdown, and no picks. Leading receiver from a yardage standpoint, Caden Smith, four catches for 77 yards. And Bryce Love, a very quiet 22 carries for 136 yards and a touchdown. As we mentioned Stanford looked great offensively on that opening drive. We're looking at each other after after Bryce Love, Bryce Love took it over from six yards out. We're going, oh boy, this is a this is a whole new deal, a whole new Stanford offense that that we really didn't see for one reason or another against San Diego State. But Stanford put together a terrific drive to start the game. After that, I'd call it uneven. I, I would use that adjective to describe what Stanford did offensively for the remaining 55 and a half minutes of, of, of that game. Uneven. Some penalties here and there. We had oh, those back-to-back delay of games for Stanford at one point uh, in the second half. That was, that was ugly. Holding penalties uh, at times. A.T. Hall had a particularly rough sequence. Um, uh, at, at one point in that game with a holding penalty, and he also got called for a false start on the same series as well. But quite uneven. And I, I think this was a big part of the problem. Stanford unable to stay on schedule on third down. Stanford on third down went 4 of 13. Now, those conversions were all big. They were all huge. One in particular to 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 Caden Smith is uh, KJ Costello found him down the seam on third and line, and they were able to on third and long rather, and they were able to able to convert uh, a, a big time third down. But Stanford, on average, on third down, had twelve yards to go for the entire game. On average, Stanford had twelve yards to go on third third and twelve on average. That's going to place you in jeopardy many times as an offense. 
So Stanford not doing well enough on first down and second down for the most part to avoid getting in third and long situations, averaging 12 yards to go on third down. That's, that's not going to get it done. It's not going to get it done going forward. You, you, can't, you can't rely on, on winning games offensively like that. I have heard the refrain over the last couple of years when Stanford fans find things to complain about, specifically with the offense, because look, as mentioned, we're all offensive coordinators, right? But many times I've heard the question asked, how come Stanford doesn't run screens? Where's Stanford's screen game? Well, we saw Stanford try a few screens against USC on Saturday night. They tried one to Trent Irwin. It didn't gain many yards. They tried one to Trevor Spates. He fell down for a three-yard loss. They tried one to Bryce Love. It was snuffed out and knocked down. Stanford with a putrid screen game. And as I think it was after, after Spates fell down on, on his attempt. I was like, okay, all right, maybe that's our answer. Maybe that's why Stanford doesn't call screens, because they can't run them. Which seems odd to me. But I know this. And I love Trent Irwin. He makes big catches. As sure hands as you're going to find anywhere in college football. If you're running a wide receiver screen with Irwin, chances are it's not going to get you the result, I don't think, or the big play, I don't think, uh, that you might be looking for. The guy that Stanford should be one of the wide receiver screens with, unfortunately, wasn't available. Connor Weddington. A slight knee injury had him had him knocked out again for USC last week. That's the guy you run you run wide receiver screens with. Boy, I can't wait to see him back on the field. I, I re, because as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, I think he's the key. I think he's the key player if Stanford really truly wants to take take its offense to that truly next level and feature run after the catch, something that has been sorely lacking for Stanford over the past year. You run screens with Bryce Love? Yeah, I think you do. I was surprised to see Bryce Love take a kick, by the way. I was going to hold my breath when I watched that. But to, to the folks who, who, who wonder why Stanford doesn't run screens, and you can count me among that group, maybe we got a bit of our answer against USC with the ineffectiveness of the screens that, that Stanford did try to run. Perhaps something for the Cardinal to work on going forward. And, and look, there's, there's, there's clearly a lot for Stanford to, 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 to work on as we get deeper into the season. Yes, they got the win over USC. Yes, it always feels great to beat, to beat the Trojans, especially to beat them with defense. Isn't that how USC is supposed to, to beat Stanford? That's how, that's how they've done it, it seems, for the most part over the past, what, 50 years? But Stanford clearly has, has more to work on. And I found it interesting that David Shaw in his post-game press conference made a note, went out of his way almost to, to say, and look, we're going to be ranked too high after this game. <laughs> because look, you, you beat USC, that still gains traction nationally. It, it's like beating Notre Dame. If you beat Notre Dame, no matter how good or not Notre Dame is at any given time, that's going to get you noticed. And you are going to be, in all likelihood, overrated 
as a result. Same thing is largely at work here with USC. Stanford, by the way, ranked number nine in this morning's AP poll, which seems about right. That that makes sense. They did go up just a slot up from 10 last week. They just kind of flip-flopped with Washington, who fell to number 10. What, their big win over North Dakota wasn't enough to keep them in the same slot? So now Stanford's number nine and Washington is number 10. USC, by the way, falling all the way to number 22. They fall five spots from number 17. Arizona State's 23rd? Whoa. If anyone is ranked too high right now, it's those guys. Congrats to them for for starting off 2-0 and for beating Michigan State the way that they did. Hang on here. <laughs> Arizona State's got a really tough road left to go. Let's see. Let's see how things shake out the rest of the way. If any team I think in the Pac-12 is ranked too high right now, it's Arizona State. But Stanford number nine, which seems about right. Maybe still a touch, maybe, maybe two or three slots too high. Jesse Palmer had him in his top five last night on ESPN's college final. I couldn't believe that. But hey, these are these are all good problems to have for Stanford right now. Being ranked too high in some people's estimations. And not getting enough production offensively, but still being able to win ball games because the defense came to play, because the defense ate its Wheaties and shut down USC. The Stanford offensively clearly is a lot more to work on. And quite honestly, I'm I'm not sure how much we're gonna learn next week against UC Davis. 11 a.m. kickoff for that one, by the way. But you sure do feel better about that defense right now, don't you? (laughs) That's the big subplot from Stanford's 17-3 win over USC on Saturday night. That's my big takeaway anyway. That and this, as I, you know, and I have to make clear for for those of you who know me from my Pac-12 network work, Let me take off that hat for a second and put on my Stanford fan hat for a moment. God, I love it when we do that to USC. Okay, let me put my objective hat back on, which I always wear when I'm I'm working with the Pac-12 network. But your big takeaways are always welcome, especially and particularly on Twitter. The best way to ensure that I see them is by giving me the hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast is the best way. You can also give me a shout-out on Twitter itself, at Troy Clarity. By the way, don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review the program on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those of you who have. Again, if you subscribed, if you rated and reviewed last year's show, uh, you're going to need to do it again this year because technically in Apple Podcast size, this is a different show. So, If you subscribed, rated, and reviewed last year, do it again this year. I certainly appreciate uh, you taking the time out and and doing all those things. If you like the show, wonderful. Tell a friend about it. Tell a fellow Stanford fan. Tell a fellow Pac-12 football fan about it. If you don't like the show, great. Tell me about it. Rate and review the show. I want to make this the best program I possibly can. And part of it's on you. Most of it's on me to try to get you the interviews and to try to get you the content, the best content that I possibly can. But part of it's on you, too. I need to know. Uh, what what I need to do to make this the best Stanford football podcast out there, and to leave no doubt that it's the Stanford that that's the best Stanford uh, football podcast out there. 
although I think it already is, in my biased opinion. But subscribe, rate, and review the show. And we will see you again coming up later on this week as we will turn our attention to the UC Davis Aggies. Should be an interesting matchup. I hope. Well, actually, no, I don't hope it is. (laughs) But we'll talk more about that as the week goes along. Thanks once again to our guests, Stanford outside linebacker, Joey Alfieri. I'm sure he's looking forward to heading back home to to Oregon next uh, next week after this uh, game is done against UC Davis. And Stanford cornerback, defensive back, Malik Antoine. Thanks to those two guys for joining us. Thanks most of all, of course, as always, goes out to you for joining us on the TreeCast. Don't drink and drive if you do. You're the dumbest person on the planet. And we will see you next time. Can't wait. On the TreeCast with Troy Clary. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.